Good evening to you all. Thank you so much for tuning in and welcome to episode 8 of Way Back When, looking at the best songs from 1977. We've got some amazing music coming up next and I'm going to be very happy to bring it to you. We're going to kick things off by Aerosmith's Walk This Way. Written by Steven Tyler and Joe Perry, Walk This Way peaked at number 10 on the Billboard Hot 100 and was part of a string of successful hit singles for the band in the 1970s. It also helped revitalise their career in the 80s when it was covered by the hip-hop group Run DMC and the the cover was actually a touchstone for the new musical subgenre of rap rock, the melding of rock and hip-hop. So in a way, Aerosmith sort of helped kickstart that particular genre, which is quite interesting. It became an international hit and it won both groups, Aerosmith and Run DMC, a Soul Train Music Award for Best Rap Single, which was quite fascinating. We are going to be looking at the Aerosmith version today, of course. In regards to the charts... Do excuse me, as I said, it placed 10th, or it peaked at 10th on the US Billboard Hot 100. It peaked at 85 on Australia, it didn't do too, too well over here, but it is still considered one of Aerosmith's uh, better songs, so we hope that you enjoy it. Uh, we uh, we do uh, want to bring it to you now, so we're going to kick things off on this episode of Way Back When with Walk This Way by Aerosmith here on Way Back When, episode 8. You're looking at 106.9 Sheen FM, the home of UNE's student-powered radio. Little kid. 
That was The Amazing Walk This Way by Aerosmith to kick off episode 8 of Way Back When. I sincerely hope that you enjoyed it. A good way to start off this week's show. Coming up next, we have a bit of a switch, in fact, from this particular artist's usual discography. We move into Alice Cooper now, and we're looking at the album Lace and Whiskey, which is the third solo album by Vincent Fernier under his Alice Cooper stage persona, which was released on the April 29th, 1977. Uh, This is when, obviously, Alice Cooper went solo and departed from the original Alice Cooper group. Uh, Members Dennis Dunaway, Neil Smith, and Michael Bruce would actually form a new band themselves called the Billion Dollar Babies. They would release a few albums before fading away into sort of relative obscurity. They didn't achieve uh, success like they had done with the full band, but they still achieved a fairly good amount of airtime uh, with the albums that they sold. In regards to Alice Cooper's Lace and Whiskey, it was not received very well by the media. It didn't receive very good reviews and didn't chart very well at all. In fact, it only charted at 42 on the Billboard 200 and 33 and the UK albums chart. It didn't even chart here in Australia. But essentially, after many years of portraying a persona on stage of more of a shock rocky sort of sinister eerie persona, Alice decided to try something new and different and so he donned the persona of a private investigator, funnily enough, a heavy drinking private investigator named Maurice Escargo, which is a fictional character that was actually photographed and pictured on the back cover of the original album cover of Lace and Whiskey. So the song that we're looking at from the album is the lead single, You and Me. It is a bit more of a leasy, le- excuse me, easy listening, not leasy, easy listening ballad than we're used to in terms of Alice Cooper's music. And it was actually his last top 10 single uh, in the US until his hit song Poison would come out 12 years later. Spoiler alert, that almost definitely be on the show. But no, it's more of a soft rock rock ballad. I do apologize for stumbling over my words. It reached number nine on the US Billboard Hot 100. It was actually made all the way up to number two in Australia's charts, which was pretty fascinating. And it was regularly performed on his 1997 and 78 tours uh, because it was actually probably the biggest song of the album and certainly probably the only hit of the album the rest of the album had you know it was a 10 track album and the rest of the songs were sort of forgettable they weren't uh, they weren't really up to his usual standard which is quite disappointing but that being said you and me certainly still a very good song definitely the standout of the lace and whiskey album so from alice cooper or rather maurice escargo we have you and me coming up next on way back when episode eight you're listening to tune fm on 106.9 UNE's student powered radio Sometimes when you're asleep and I'm 
That was the love ballad You and Me by Alice Cooper. You're listening to Way Back When, Episode 8, here on Tune FM 106.9. It's come time now to play a song that is a bit, uh, not morbid, but a little bit upsetting and a bit melancholic to listen to nowadays because we have to say goodbye to an artist who will not feature again on this show. He featured a little bit on some previous episodes, but this was his last single. We are talking of the king of rock himself, Elvis Presley, who unfortunately did not enjoy the later years of 1977. They were uh, obviously his final years. He died in 1977, in fact, only weeks after this single was released. Excuse me. Sadly, in 1977, he had become grossly overweight. He had become, as Tony Sherman, a journalist would write, he had become a grotesque caricature of his sleek, energetic former self. It was alleged that he was suffering from extreme uh, addiction, especially addiction to narcotics and alcohol, and several concerts were such low quality that fans would demand refunds. He would not cancel many shows unless he absolutely had to. However, the shows themselves were very disappointing. The song we're talking about is Way Down, which was released on the 6th of June. Elvis would sadly pass away only on the 16th of August that same year, only aged 42. Of course, the uh, stories about Elvis's death and the cause of death are legendary, and they range from the plausible to the downright ridiculous. Uh, aliens, abduction, uh, abduction, for instance, that's probably my personal favorite of the outlandish ridiculous ones. But yes, yeah, sadly, Elvis would pass away at the age of 42. Um, he would leave behind, obviously, his wife and his daughter, and it, there's not really much to say else about it. He, it was a very tragic end to a very, very talented performer. It's just a shame that he did pass away the way he did. Uh, so way down, the song that he released was the last single released before his death, obviously barely two months before his death. 
It was the number 31 was the highest number that it reached on the Billboard Hot 100. However, it would shoot back up uh, to the top of the country singles chart, especially after he would pass away. So we present to you the final song that Elvis would ever have success with, Way Down by Elvis Presley, our way of saying farewell to the king of rock and roll. You're listening to Way Back When, episode 8 on Tune FM 106.9, the home of UNE's student-powered radio. Golden den, the sound of your breathing has made the mood I'm in. All of my resistance lying on the floor, taking me to places I've never been before. When I can feel. listening to way back when episode eight and you just heard way down the final single that elvis presley would release before his death at the age of 42 in 1977 we move now to a bit more of a pop sort of uh song in fact the next three songs will all be from the same band and that is because abba would release in 1977 their fifth studio album simply known as the album it was released in the december of 1977 funnily enough and due to massive pre-orders the uk pressing plants were not able to produce sufficient copies before Seventy-seven's Christmas, and so it was not actually released in the UK until January of 1978, which is a rather interesting and slightly amusing tale. But the reason we're going to play three songs from ABBA tonight is because 
The album, as it's known obviously amongst ABBA fans, was a very good album. They had three incredibly successful songs from that particular album, so I thought I'm going to play all of them because, well, they're all very good songs and we seemed to have a positive reception when we played some ABBA songs in the last few episodes. So the three songs that we're going to play, we'll just play one after the other. I'll talk a little bit about the album. And the first song, and then I'll talk a little bit about the other two songs as they come through. But the album uh, would be produced by Benny Anderson and Bjorn Alvius, obviously, as they would do for most of their career. It was a 10-track... Oh, excuse me. It was a 9-track. I do apologize. I got a little bit tongue-tied there. Track album, and it was released before Voulez-Vous. Of course, a few people actually think that Voulez-Vous was released before the album. Not true. In fact, Voulez-Vous would not be released until 1979. In terms of charts, it did exceptionally well. It topped the charts of the UK Albums Chart when it was eventually released. It also topped the charts in Sweden, of course, Switzerland, Norway, New Zealand, the Netherlands, Mexico, funnily enough, and Belgium. It finished in fourth spot on the Australian charts, and the two singles, were, or two of the singles rather, actually peaked at number one on the UK singles chart. A bit of a spoiler there. But the singles themselves were all very well received. The first song that we're going to play is The Name of the Game, which was the lead single off of the album. It was a UK number one hit, obviously. It topped the UK singles chart for four weeks in November of 77, before being dethroned by Take a Chance on Me, which is pretty phenomenal. The Australian singles chart had this particular song in a peak position of sixth, and it topped the chart in the Eurochart Hot 100 as well as the UK. It topped the uh, didn't top, sorry, it came 12th in the UK in the US Billboard Hot 100, and it has been covered numerous times. It is a very popular ABBA song, and it is actually a bit of a milestone or a bit of a notorious song in ABBA's discography, as it is the last time that Stig Anderson would help with the lyrics of a single, which is rather interesting. A little bit of trivia for you there. But Name of the Game is the song that we're going to play now. We hope that you enjoy it. Name of the Game by ABBA coming up next on Way Back When, Episode 8. You're listening to Tune FM on, epi- on 106.9 UNE Student Powered Radio. I'm trying to conceal If I trust in you 
That was The Name of the Game by ABBA. You're listening to Way Back When, Episode 8, here on Tune FM 106.9. Sadly, we've had a little bit of a technological glitch uh, during the uh, song that you just heard, Name of the Game. And sadly, the ABBA song that we were going to play up next has had to be moved to next week due to a bit of an error with the file. So I do apologise. However, it was released as a single in 1978. So I do feel, though I am sticking within the rules, it will be part of the ninth episode. I sincerely apologise for that, but we have substituted it with another hit song by ABBA that was released as a single on Valentine's Day of 1977 off of the Arrival album and it is Knowing Me, Knowing You. I apologise if I sound a little bit flustered. I was not expecting to have to replace that song but it's okay because this is still a very good ABBA song. It topped the charts of the UK singles chart, obviously. It seems to chart, it seems to do that with every ABBA song they release. South African singles chart also had it at number one as did Mexico, Ireland and Germany. It also uh, finished at number ninth on the as a peak position on the Australian single chart and it would finish at number sixth on the year-end chart for 1977 in the UK. So Knowing Me, Knowing You uh, was produced by Benny and Bjorn, again obviously, and it was another sort of Europop, pop rock sort of style that would be a big feature of ABBA's music. Excuse me. It was really it was recorded in 1976 in Stockholm and released obviously on Valentine's Day and was one of the group's more successful hits. Knowing Me, Knowing You was also one of the early ABBA songs that actually dealt with the breakup of a relationship, although it would predate the divorce of the ABBA members, and it would uh, come before the other breakup songs known as Winner Takes It All, One of Us, and When All Is Said and Done. Group member Benny Anderson would also, funnily enough, name Knowing Me, Knowing You as one of ABBA's best recordings, along with Dancing Queen, The Winner Takes It All, and When I Kiss the Teacher, funnily enough. So, with all of that said, a little bit of a substitute for the actual song that was meant to play now, which we will play uh, next week, but my sincere apologies for that but we are going to have knowing me knowing you coming up next by abba you're listening to way back when episode 8 on tune fm 106.9 the home of une's student-powered radio
You're listening to 106.9 Tune FM and you just heard Knowing Me, Knowing You by Smash Pop Hits ABBA on Way Back When, Episode 8. Coming up next, we have the final ABBA track of the trilogy that we've been playing on this episode. Of course, as I said, there will be another ABBA song played next week that we couldn't get to work tonight. But thank you for the music. We'll be coming up next. It is, of course, off of the the album, uh, the ABBA album that is simply known as The Album. And it was part of the 1977 tour mini musical The Girl with the Golden Hair that was performed during each of their European and Australian shows in 1977. The songs received a less than tumultuous reception during the first performances. However, three of those tracks, including Thank You For The Music, were included on the album. Uh, I'm a Marionette and I Wonder were actually the other two that were included, just in case you were wondering. But Thank You For The Music was obviously released as a single in 1983, a very, very long time after the album was released, but it was officially released as part of the album in 77, and it was released in Ireland, France, and across the rest of Europe, and it did rather well, not as well as some of the other tracks off of the album, and indeed in Abba's discography, but still quite exceptionally well. Excuse me. So it is a fairly standard ABBA track. It is a pop rock sort of poppy uh, track, and it would become fairly synonymous with um, vaudeville. Funnily off, vaudeville is a bit of a an exaggerated term. Stage productions is probably a better way of putting that. So we're going to play it for you. Coming up next is "Thank You for the Music" by ABBA. You're listening to Way Back When, Episode Eight on Tune FM 106.9, UNE's student-powered radio. I'm nothing special, in fact, I'm a bit of a bore If I tell a joke, you've probably heard it before 
But I have a talent, a wonderful thing Cause everyone listens when I start to sing I'm so grateful and proud All I want is to sing it out loud So That was Thank You For The Music by Swedish superstar group ABBA. On Way Back When, Episode 8, you're listening to Tune FM on 106.9, UNE's student-powered radio. We move from pop now to a disco track, a track that is very, very much disco, by another debutante on this show, Boney M. Boney M are a Caribbean, or is a Caribbean vocal group created by... 
Frank Farian, a German record producer. The four original members of the group's lineup were Liz, Miss, Liz Mitchell and Marcy Barrett from Jamaica, Maisie Williams from Montserrat, and Bobby Farrell from Aruba, which, in case you were wondering, is a small island of the Kingdom of the Netherlands located in the South Caribbean Sea just in case you were wondering. The group was formed in 1976, and the song that we're going to play was the uh, one of the songs on their debut album, Take the, Heat Off, Take the Heat Off Me. It became a quick hit and a staple of disco music. It was the band's first hit in the United Kingdom, and that song is Daddy Cool. Of course, you may have expected that. My personal favorite of theirs will be played next week. No spoilers, but I'm sure a lot of you can guess what it is. But Boney M are an interesting case. I'll talk a little bit more about them next week, but they've, they're actually quite notable. Uh, quite remarkable for the sense that after the four band members went their separate ways, they all attempted to form various different versions of the group uh, with replacing members. But again, I'll speak a little bit more about the band themselves next week when I talk about arguably their biggest hit, certainly the one they are most known for. But this week we are talking about Daddy Cool, which again was the second Boney M single, the first being Baby Do You Wanna Bump? Again, just in case you were wondering. So as you're going to hear, it's a novelty song. It's got an unusual intro, and you'll actually hear the intro is Frank Farian playing on his teeth with a pencil. So just see if you can tell by listening to it. But in any case, it charted exceptionally well. In fact, it num- it was number one in Austria, Belgium, Europe on the Eurochart Hot 100, France, Norway, Spain, Sweden, Switzerland, and West Germany. It peaked at number five here in Australia and was the number two year-end position on the year-end chart in France. It was certified gold in France with over a million units sold, gold in Germany with over 250,000 units sold, and silver in the United Kingdom again with approximately 250,000 units sold. So we're going to play it for you right now. It is Daddy Cool by Boney M. Just a little heads up as well, this is the original 1977 version, not the 1986 10th anniversary re-release. Daddy Cool by Boney M coming up next on episode 8 of Way Back When. You're listening to Tune FM on 106.9, UNE's student-powered radio. She's crazy like a fool. What about Daddy
daddy Oh, she believes in him She loves her daddy You're listening to Way Back When, Episode 8, and that was Daddy Cool, the first song on this show by reggae disco group Boney M, who we will speak more about next week. We go now, another genre shift, we went from pop to disco, and now we jump to punk. Punk rock, uh, to be more specific, but certainly very much punk first and foremost, we look at the Sex Pistols. Now, the Sex Pistols were an interesting case. They're a band that are fairly notorious in the world, especially in their native UK, but they also had a very, very short-lived career. Excuse me. They were responsible for initiating the punk movement in the United Kingdom and inspiring many, many, many punk musicians that would come later. And even though their uh, career was only two and a half years long in their initial original run, they were actually inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2006 due to the influence they would have on the punk genre as a whole. So the original uh, lineup was vocalist Johnny Rotten, otherwise known as John Lydon, guitarist Steve Jones, drummer Paul Cook, Paul Cook, excuse me, and bassist Glenn Matt. Matlock. However, Matlock was replaced by Sid Vicious in early 1977. Now, they would have several controversies uh, throughout their short career that would both amuse, in, ca- in capture, and in ray and in ranch and appall Britain in equal measure. They most notable of those was a, an obscenely laced television interview in December of 1976, which uh, incidentally only happened because Queen dropped out at the last minute. Fun little piece of trivia for you. In 1977, they would release their single, the song that we're going to be playing next, before they would break up at the end of at the start of 1978 after an overhyped and turbulent tour of the United States. Johnny Rotten uh, would announce the band's breakup, and over the next few months, the three remaining the three remaining band members would record a few songs here and there before Sid Vicious would die of a heroin overdose in February of 1979, which was very upsetting, following his arrest for the alleged murder of his girlfriend, which is slightly more upsetting. So a rather interesting career, to say the very least, and as I said, they were uh, inducted in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2006. However, they would refuse to attend the ceremony, calling the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame a, quote, piss stain so make of that whatever you will certainly an iconic band and certainly very reminiscent of the punk movement that they would help inspire so the song that we are looking at is the god save the queen it would attack britain's social conformity and deference to the crown and it was off their first and only studio album never mind the bollocks here's the sex pistols again very uh very much in the theme of punk and the punk movement it was released on the 20th of october in 1977 and it would chart rather interestingly enough 
first in the UK albums chart. I say that uh, as a surprise because, well, it's not. Uh, not a surprise at all. It would chart at number 106 on the US Billboard 200, and it was certified as platinum in the US over a million. It was certified as double platinum in the UK over 600,000, which is pretty impressive for a band that had sort of just come up out of nowhere. The uh, the, ba- the album would receive uh, incredibly good reviews. It uh, is fairly common to see five out of five stars, 10 out of 10 stars on uh, reviews of this album. It was exceptionally, exceptionally good. It was a very, very, very good album, and the critics uh, saw it as that way as well. God Save the Queen was, in fact, the second single of the album. The first was Anarchy in the UK, but that was released in 76. God Save the Queen in 77, though, is the song that we're going to play next, and it was extremely controversial, especially considering how patriotic and monarch friendly the british people are and especially were at the time and funnily enough the bbc refused to play the song when it was released for mostly those reasons the song reached number one on the charts in the uk and made it to number two on the official uk charts that the bbc used interestingly enough that of course led to accusations that the charts had been fixed to prevent the song from reaching number one i will leave that to you to determine whether you believe it or not it was uh, covered several times especially by motorhead most notably excuse me it did very well on the charts as i said it also topped the it didn't top the charts excuse me but it came third in norway and sweden it has been used several times in other bits of music and you may have even heard it we're going to play it for you right now coming up on 106.9 tune fm episode 8 of way back when we have god save the queen by the sex pistols you're listening to tune fm UNE's student powered radio <laughs>
that was the anthem, uh, punk anthem, God Save the Queen by the Sex Pistols, a very tumultuous band. You're listening to episode eight of Way Back When on Tune FM 106.9. We look at some new wave music now, new wave and a little bit of punk rock sprinkled in as well. The Tom Robinson Band with their first major hit, 2468 Motorway. It was the first single released by the Tom Robinson Band who had formed only in January of 77 and this song would release on the 7th of October of the same year. Robinson, funnily enough, would come up with the tune uh, simply because it was actually a little song that he couldn't get out of his head, a little bit of a melody that he couldn't quite um, get out of his head, so he decided to turn it into a song. And the chorus itself was actually lifted from a UK gay liberation chant, 2468, gay is twice as good as straight, 3579, lesbians are mighty fine. Again, a little piece of trivia for you all. EMI, the record company, would originally turn the song down. However, after touring, the band became much closer as a group, and the guitarist of the Tom Robinson band, Danny Custo, Danny Custo, excuse me, would expand upon his guitar riffs and pieces, which actually persuaded EMI to release the record. The song is about the joys of driving a truck through a rainy night. Obviously, you can probably tell by the motorway in the uh, title. Excuse me. And although the chorus is based on that gay liberation chant, this isn't actually clear in the song itself. So the song is actually by that standard, in contrast to their far more blatantly political songs that they would release in later years, including uh, Glad to be Gay and Civil and Long Hot Summer, which would focus on homophobia and civil disorder, respectively. It was released in Europe, obviously, in 77, and it immediately went to the top of the Swedish chart and stayed there for four weeks, in fact. It reached number 12 on the Australian charts, and it was not released on a UK album at the time funnily enough it wasn't it was released as a single in the UK but Robinson himself actually still regrets not including the band's most famous song on their debut album which was Power in the Darkness so again a little bit of interesting trivia for you all but it's still a very good song that I'm going to play for you right now 2468 Motorway by the Tom Robinson Band up next on episode 8 of Way Back When you're listening to Tune FM on 106.9 UNE's student powered radio
That was 2468 Motorway by the Tom Robinson Band on 106.9 Tune FM. This is episode 8 of Way Back When. Now we turn to rock and we go back to Fleetwood Mac, who we played a Go Your Own Way last week. However, that was released as a single in December of 76, and the album that this song is off was released in 77, so therefore it qualifies. Fleetwood Mac, of course, a very, very famous band in the rock world. Uh, they were a rather interesting band in the sense that they still continued as a career as a band after two of the members would divorce each other, which I can only assume would have led to a little bit of conflict in the workplace. At least I can, well, I can imagine it naturally probably should have done. But the song that we're looking at is Don't Stop, and you may not know what that title means. However, if I was to say that it should probably be called Don't Stop Thinking About Tomorrow, you'll probably uh, understand what I'm coming from. Don't Stop is, of course, written by keyboard player Christy McVie and was actually referring to her feelings after she separated from the bass guitarist of Fleetwood Mac, John McVie, after eight years of marriage. Excuse me. It is sung by guitarist Lindsay Buckingham and Christy McVeigh herself, Christine McVeigh, excuse me, and was the second single off of their 1977 hit album Rumours. It's one of the band's most popular songs. It peaked at number three on the Billboard Singles Chart, and it managed to follow Go Your Own Way as the second single from Rumours and peak at number 32 in the UK, and it would peak at number 30 here in Australia, but it would top the charts in Canada. It was certified as silver in the UK, selling over 200,000 copies, and it was quite political significant. It was the theme music for Bill Clinton's uh, presidential campaign in 1992 and was played at the 1992 Democratic National Convention during its final uh, balloon drop of the night. Excuse me. And after Bill Clinton would go on to win the 1992 election, Clinton would persuade the uh, lineup of the group that released the Rumours album to perform the song for his inaugural ball in 1993, requiring them to reform, which they would do so, which I think is completely amazing. Funnily enough, just a little bit more on the political side of things. At the 2000 Democratic National Convention, when he would endorse the Democratic nominee of that year, Al Gore, he would end his famous speech by saying, keep, pe- keep putting people first, keep building those bridges and don't stop thinking about tomorrow. Immediately after this final sentence, the song began playing over the loudspeakers to rapturous applause. It's a very, very popular song and one that you may not uh, attribute to Fleetwood Mac at first, but it is indeed by Fleetwood Mac and it is incredibly popular and incredibly catchy. So I do apologize if this gets stuck in your head, but don't stop by Fleetwood Mac coming up next on episode eight of Way Back When. You're listening to Chin FM on 106.9 UNE's student powered radio.
That was Don't Stop by Fleetwood Mac. Here on Way Back When, Episode 8, you're listening to Chin FM on 106.9. Well, we've reached the end of another amazing show. Uh, amazing because you guys have tuned in and listened to it. And I thank you humbly for that. I really do enjoy making this show. And having you people listen to me is, well, it's it's a privilege, honestly. But we are. I am going to end this week's show by playing not one, by two songs... But, but two songs rather, because we turn back to Queen and their News of the World album in 1977. Bit of backstory to this, in 1977 punk rock acts, most notably the Sex Pistols, who we played earlier, would actually create a massive backlash against rock artists such as Queen. This would lead to them simplifying their symphonic rock sound and gearing towards a more hard rock sound, which would begin with News of the World. Excuse me. It has sold over 10 million copies and remains one of the band's best-selling studio albums to date, although that is likely only because of the first two tracks, which are the ones uh, we, I will be playing, obviously. How could it be anything else? So I will talk about the lead single in a sec. However, critical reaction to the album as a whole was actually fairly mixed. It was um, fairly critically received for the uh, change in their musical style however in later years it has been come to regard as one of Queen's greatest albums of all time again mainly in part due to the first two tracks now I'll talk a little bit about those two tracks, which I'm going to play in a minute. But obviously, the other out, the other tracks on the uh, actual saw on the other album include "All Dead, All Dead," "Spread Your Wings," and "It's Late," as well as "Sheer Heart Attack." And they are still very, 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 very good songs. However, I do just want to talk a little bit about the album cover first, because to put it bluntly, the album cover of "News of the World" is bloody disturbing. It essentially features a giant robot. A giant robot with a very, very unsettling facial expression uh, killing um, Queen, or rather it holding the corpses of Queen in uh, its hand. It is really quite freaky, and I do encourage you to go and look it up just to see for yourself. Although I will warn you, it may be disturbing to some viewers. It's yeah, not a not a very pleasant album cover to look at. In fact, funnily enough, Family Guy would revolve an entire episode around Stewie, the baby character on that show, being absolutely horrified to the point of uh, fear-inducing paranoia around that album cover. It's just absolutely terrifying. And it was painted, in fact, by American artist Frank Kelly Freeze. So if anyone who knows uh, Frank Kelly Freeze is listening, or who knew him in his life, obviously, um, yeah, you freaked the hell out of me, so I give you a thumbs up there. But in any case, that's enough of that. We move on to the two songs from News of the World that we're going to play. They are, of course, We Are The Champions and We Will Rock You. Now, the single itself was actually released as one and a lot of radio stations when it was released started playing them one after the other we were rock you and we are the champions back to back with no interruption which is exactly what i'm going to do because they do sound fantastic as one song rather than two songs split up so this is the last time you're going to hear me and i'm going to play the show out by playing we were rock you and we are the champions but a little bit of information about both of those songs first Excuse me. So, We Will Rock You is the first song of the duo that will be played. It was listed as number 330 on the 500 Greatest Rock Songs by Rolling Stone. It was announced as the 146th Greatest Song of the Century in 2001. In the same year, it was inducted into the Grammy Hall of Fame. And it is actually a very popular sporting anthem at stadiums due to the fairly catchy beat that can be mimicked by a crowd. And in fact, during the 2008 and 2009 seasons of the National Football League, National Hockey League... And Major League Baseball in America, it was the most played song of all, which I think is fascinating. It reached gold, it's certified as gold in Germany with 250,000 units sold, 
double platinum in Italy with 100,000 units sold, 600,000 sold in the UK for platinum, and over 4 million in the US for four times platinum, which is just fantastic. Excuse me again. So we are going to play that one first, and then straight after that, you will hear We Are The Champions, which is, well, it's probably Queen's biggest hit and biggest song ever. It was... Um, included as an official theme song for the 1994 FIFA World Cup. It has become an anthem for victories at sporting events, much like We Will Rock You all over the globe. It was inducted into the Grammy Hall of Fame in 2009, and in 2005, it was voted the world's favorite song in, uh, on, in a Sony Ericsson World Music Poll. And in 2011, rather interestingly, it was actually considered by a team of scientific researchers to be the catchiest song of all time in the history of music, which is, again, fairly interesting and certainly something that a lot of people would agree with. Uh, one of the researchers said of the study that every hit is reliant on maths, science, engineering, and technology, from the, free, from the frequencies and physics of the sounds that determine harmony and pitch, to the digital processes and synthesizers which can add effects to make a song catchier. During, uh, they essentially came up with a study, and yes, it does turn out that officially We Are The Champions is the catchiest song of all time. It concludes most of Queen's so arts concerts, including the ones to this day that are performed by Adam Lambert. It is considered one of rock's most recognisable songs of all time, and some people do indeed consider it to be the best song of all time, which is high, high, high praise. So I can think of no better two songs to finish the show than We Will Rock You and We Are The Champions, the massive hit, I say hit because it was released as one single, by English band Queen. You're listening to, or rather have listened to, episode 8 of Way Back When. I'll be back next week to bring you the best music from 1978, our ninth episode. I hope that you join me for that, but if you have tuned in at all tonight, thank you from the bottom of my heart. I really appreciate it. And please enjoy We Will Rock You and We Are The Champions by probably the best band of all time, Queen.
Everything that goes with it, I thank you all. But it's been no. 